appreciate the music. If you have your copy of God's Word, I would love for you to turn to the book of Mark. We're in chapter 8. Specifically, this morning, we're looking at, at verses 22 through 26. It's a, uh, another miracle. It's another miracle. See, Mark's gospel record, his, his recording of what Jesus did is brief. And we've noticed that he doesn't go quite as deep into every event like Luke or Matthew might do or even John. He orders the events in, a, in an effort to dovetail them specifically with Jesus' teachings. He's trying to, to paint a picture for us. And he's writing primarily to Gentiles, those who are not of Jewish faith or background, those who, like us, who didn't have that Jewish heritage and the Judaistic training that the, uh, a lot of the other people had that Matthew and Luke may have wrote to. And he shows Jesus kind of deliberately using signs and wonders and words to illuminate his point, to make his point clear to the minds of those who are listening, which includes us now because we're getting to read it and study it. So this story that we're looking at this morning, it connects the heretical Pharisees that we read about a few weeks, a couple of weeks ago maybe, to the blind disciples that we read about too and talked about. And then it's even connecting down to, to next week's passage, the Messianic Confession of Peter. So this morning, I'm going to read more than the verses that are on the screen. I'm going to start in verse uh, 14, and I'm going to read to verse 30. So hopefully Marcia can keep up. <laughs> so starting with verse 14 of chapter 8, listen to what was going on before this event happened. The disciples had forgotten to take bread and only had one loaf with them in the boat. Then he gave them strict orders. Watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They were discussing among themselves that they did not have any bread. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you discussing the fact you have no bread? Don't you understand or comprehend? Do you have hardened hearts? Do you have eyes and not see? Do you have ears and not hear? Do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many baskets full of leftovers did you collect? Twelve, they told him. When I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000? How many baskets full of pieces did you collect? Seven, they said. And he said to them, don't you understand yet? They came to Bethsaida. They brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and brought him out of the village. Spitting on his eyes and laying his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking. Again, Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes. The man looked intently, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Then he sent him home, saying, don't even go into the village. Jesus went out with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the road, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? They answered, John the Baptist. Others, Elijah, still others, one of the prophets. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Messiah. And he strictly warned them to tell no one. Let's pray. Father, it's, it's good to see how majestic and how perfect and how intricate your word is 
to help illustrate points to our sometimes weak and feeble minds, to, to help us to see Scripture and to see your truths with new eyes. Help us to see that this morning, Lord, as we witness another miracle that you have done for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, blindness, the inability to see, can even be the inability to comprehend, to see accurately, to completely understand. Spiritual blindness permeates our society. Spiritual blindness is everywhere. You can't go anywhere, and it's, and it's been that way forever. And all humanity needs better sight, needs to see truth the way Jesus sees truth. And you know what? Jesus is the only source of this kind of healing. So Jesus uses the healing of a blind man here to demonstrate the progression of spiritual understanding. He really, it's really just a word picture or an object lesson if you want. Why does he do this? Well, the, here's the reason. Jesus Christ came as God's only source for healing, his only source for spiritual healing for those souls who were blind. And ours was once blind too because all of us need it. So how does Jesus heal our spiritually blind souls? Well, Jesus grants clear sight of eternal life with incremental healing. First of all, Jesus gives us light. Point number one this morning is Jesus gradually opens the eyes to the truth. Verses 22 through 24. Let's read this again. They came to Bethsaida. They, the people in the town of Bethsaida, brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and brought him out of the village, spitting on his eyes and laying his hands on him. He asked him, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking. So let's look at this a little bit and see what actually is going on here. So between the episode with the hard-hearted Pharisees and the, and the spiritually dim disciples, we have this story of, of healing of a blind man. This is one of only two miracles that only Mark recorded. These are, this miracle is not recorded in any other Gospels. The miracle of the, the deaf and mute man that we re read in chapter 7, that's the other one. So there's only two miracles that Mark records that no one else records, and he puts it here as an object lesson for us, an object lesson. Bethsaida is a town. It's on the east side of the Jordan River on the north side of the Sea of Galilee. It means house of fishermen or house of fish. It's just a typical harbor town. It's probably close to the place where Jesus fed the 5,000. So it's a place that's familiar with Jesus. Philip, Andrew, Peter, and maybe Nathaniel also, that was their hometown. That's where they were born and raised. So it's a familiar town to the disciples. It's a familiar town to Jesus. And the town folk bring out this blind man. This blind man that probably had been blind for a while. And, and they come to Jesus and ask him to touch him. Which is basically a euphemism for assuming to, to heal him. But their, their request for this might have been a little presumptuous because did the man have enough faith to be healed? Did the town people have enough faith for him to heal this blind man? Because, you know, blindness exists in all of us. But Jesus, he had compassion. He was moved. So Jesus takes the man out of the village, outside the village, kind of privately. He takes him away from the public 
spectacle that it was going to be if he'd have healed him right there in the midst of town. And just like Jesus' brothers, a lot of times we go, why wouldn't you want people to know you do this? Well, Jesus was in control of this, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But he takes him out and he gives this blind man some private time, some one-on-one time. And he's doing it so he can root out the man's blindness, not just his physical blindness, but his spiritual blindness. See, back then, blindness was a very common malady. It's still a common malady today. A lot of people have suffered from it. But back then, it was pretty rampant, according to a lot of history and Jewish traditions. But also, they thought it was a curse. They thought someone had done something or this man had done something, just like the disciples asked about blind Bartimaeus, who sinned, him or his father. They believed it was part of a curse from God. So blind people usually didn't have much interaction. They were scorned. They were avoided. They weren't talked to. They weren't given one-on-one time. They were isolated. And Jesus changed that right there. I mean, a lot of times you, you find stories of blind people in the, in the Bible. They were beggars. They were beggars because they, no one would hire them. They couldn't do anything but beg, and they were scorned by the society. So Jesus takes him outside, and he spits and touches. <laughs> we, we don't understand the spitting unless you go back to look at modern day at that time said that spit had medicinal properties. Today we're like all covering our mouth and coughing and wearing masks and everything else because we don't want spit to get anywhere. But Jesus spits on his eyes and touches him. And that's just basically to let the man know, I'm going to do something for you. I'm going to work on your eyes here. So I want, you to, I want to stop for a second, though, and, and let you, help you understand. Jesus did not need to do anything to heal anybody. He didn't have to use anything external to heal. He did not need a human means of any kind. He didn't need a stethoscope. He didn't need a, a Walgreens. He didn't need anything to heal anybody. But he uses these to give some light to those who can see through that, see through those things. He's looking for the faith that's in the heart not what you believe in that's external. True believers in Jesus Christ know that the spit, the mud, the the touching, the waving, or any other act, if you're really a believer in Christ, you know those did not heal anybody. I mean, most of the healing that happens today is done without any kind of visible actions in terms of waving hands or anything like that. So the Son of God, Emmanuel, is the only source of healing we will ever need And he doesn't need anything external to do it. He can heal blindness, both physical and spiritual. And he doesn't need any gimmicks to do it. So I would conclude that Jesus is using these methods, spitting, touching, and all that. He's using it for a higher purpose. He's using it to sift out those who really believe and those who are just looking for a circus, those who are just looking for a sideshow. And that's what he's doing here. He's trying to get rid of the faithless groupies that are following Jesus around. He wants them to understand that there's no gimmick to his healing. So then Jesus asked the man, can you see? Do you see? Now, this is the only time in Scripture where Jesus asked somebody if his healing was effective. Because it was never partial healing before, so he never had to do that before. But he's doing it for a point. Can you see? And the man saw people moving around like trees, like their arms were like branches and they looked like trees walking, he said. Which means that the man was not blind from birth. 
This man had probably had his sight, had seen people and trees, and he had gotten blind at some point. But now he can just barely see and make out images, kind of a, a very blurry vision. And those of you who have had trouble with your eyes, you probably know what this guy is experiencing. He sees dimly. He sees barely, but he doesn't see clearly. Now, Jesus did this intentionally <clears throat> for two reasons. One, the man's faith was probably not there yet. The man didn't know Jesus. He just all of a sudden, his friends bring him because he's blind. He has to be led everywhere. Bring him to Jesus. He didn't know Jesus. He didn't know who Jesus was. They may have been telling him, hey, this guy has been healing people around the area. Maybe he can heal your eyes. Let's, let's go see. So his faith was probably a little weak. That's one reason. He wasn't really convinced Jesus could do this. The second reason is probably the more important one. Jesus is illustrating how gradual our sight comes, how slow it sometimes comes when we are trying to understand deeper truths about God and about Christ. And the disciples were kind of having the same issue. They thought Jesus was talking about leaven in the boat, not bad teaching, wrong teaching of the, of the Pharisees. They were worried about bread instead of worrying about the bread of life. This is what happens to us. Our healing in our eyesight, in our mind sight, comes slowly. And Jesus is making a point to both the man and his disciples. Clear vision only comes from one person, and that's Jesus Christ. You can't make yourself understand. You can't make yourself see the truth. Only Christ can do that. Spiritual blindness needs Jesus' healing everywhere in everyone. None of us were born able to see that we needed a Savior. Jesus had to make it apparent to us. You know, to those outside Christ in our world today, seeing is believing. That's the phrase, right? Seeing is believing. But I'm going to tell you, even that doesn't convince some people. They see something and they say, I don't believe it, it was photoshopped. It was, it was fake. It was staged. Their faith may remain noncommittal because they, even when their five senses see something, they don't always believe it happened. Why? Some of it's they, they have, may not have any understanding of why something happened. They may, not, they may see it, but they can't believe it because they just don't understand why that would happen. They're looking for logic. They're looking for science. The disciples were kind of in that spot right now. They were kind of wondering, what, what is exactly is Jesus trying to teach us here? And then and other reasons why they wouldn't believe is that believing might mean you actually have to change something in your life. Yeah, that's the Pharisees. The Pharisees didn't want to change anything. They thought they had God figured out. They had seen plenty of signs, and they still didn't believe. They wanted one more sign, and then one more sign, and it would just keep going because they weren't going to believe. That's why people don't believe when they see something. It's afraid that they might have to change. You know, when Moses was being confronted by God to go lead the children of Israel out of Egypt into the promised land, and he was using his st st stuttering as a reason not to go, God set him straight. Here's what God said to him. Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Well, the answer is yes. It is God. And so 
Moses is complaining about his stuttering, but in reality, he, he had, God's telling him, I can make you speak correctly. And what's interesting, just to, this is a sidebar, this doesn't cost you any extra. Aaron was given to him, his brother said, you can speak for Moses, and you can, Aaron can do all the talking. Moses, you tell Aaron what to say. Aaron doesn't hardly talk at all the whole time. Every time they go to Pharaoh, who's talking to Pharaoh? Moses. So he just needed a security blanket, I guess, or a crutch. But anyway, it's just, it's just a sidebar, funny thing about Moses and Aaron's situation. But see, God's main goal is to remove spiritual blindness. Physical blindness is temporary. In reality, it's temporary. It doesn't last into eternity. But spiritual blindness can. And that's God's main goal, is to remove spiritual blindness, blindness to him, so that he gets the glory. And realize one day, that passage Jeremy read a while ago, one day everybody's going to bow to Jesus. Everybody's blinders will be taken off. Everybody will see Jesus as he is. But they may not have followed him. They may not have believed in him. See, redemption is God's target with what he's doing. And here's what he said in Isaiah 42 about seeing. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, and from the prison, those who sit in darkness. God's not talking about physical darkness there, okay? He's talking about spiritual darkness, and he sends Jesus for that purpose, to bring people out of spiritual darkness. Jesus came to hear, heal, the spiritually blind, the spiritually deaf, the spiritually mute. And it was all God's idea. <clears throat> and Jesus is making that point with this partial healing of the, the blind men right here. Jesus grants this sight to those who believe because believing is seeing in Jesus Christ. I don't know how many people have asked for some sort of sign from God and they'll believe in God. You don't need a sign. Believing is what you need. Now, we have some blindness in our life still. Even as believers in Christ, we still carry around some blindness. We don't see clearly. Here's, here's one example. When we sin, it really comes down to the fact that we don't have enough faith, that we're blind to what God really wants to do for us. It's a lack of faith. We don't trust God enough to obey him. We're spiritually blind to that when we sin. We convince ourselves that we know better. We're convinced ourselves that we understand better than God. I know it sounds weird when you articulate it, but we, we think we understand better than he does. But we're blind. We're blind. We obey by faith, not by sight. We lack spiritual sight in some areas of our life, and we are blind to the truth that God loves us perfectly, and his commands are good, not chains. I know a lot of people think God's commands spoil your fun. But God's commands protect you from real bondage. And when we choose to have partial vision, when we choose to sin, and we kind of choose to ignore what we see and, and not trust our spiritual sight, we're choosing our own way. We're not seeing God's way. We're flying blind. And we do that. So how do we see better? Well, I'm glad you asked. How do we see better? We ask God to give us more faith. More faith to walk blindly with him. More faith to trust him, 
no matter what. To trust him no matter what. This blind man, when Jesus is leading him out of the town, outside the, the walls of the city, he just had to trust Jesus. He's just going. He doesn't know where he's going. That's the kind of faith that God calls us to. Sometimes we wait for him to give us the courage. That's one way you can, you can follow him better. You can see him better. Wait for him to give you the courage to trust his plans. Even when we really can't see where they're headed. Get along with God gives you better sight. Spending time with him. And Paul said it, so we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. There's things we won't understand. There's things we won't completely see clearly until we get there, until we get on the other side. So now we just have to trust, no matter what's going on. When Jesus led the man out of the town, he had to trust him. And that's the calling on our own hearts. We have to trust him. Do you have that type of faith? Do you have the type of faith that says, I will follow wherever you lead me? I will go with you wherever you lead me? Jesus was pressing the Pharisees and he was pressing the disciples to have that kind of faith, to, to see and trust what Jesus was telling them. If you, if you have incomplete vision, trust Jesus to make it clear. Lean on him. He will make it more clear in time. So Jesus partially heals this blind man and, and, and he's doing it to make a point about spiritual seeing, but then he completes it. He completes the healing. He finishes it. Jesus heals by grace through faith completely. And that's the healing we can depend on. Verses 25 to 26. Again, Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes. The man looked intently and his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Then he sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. It was obvious that his sight was not fully restored, so, and Jesus already knew this, by the way. He didn't have to ask the guy, but it was to make his point. So Jesus shows that he is the great physician here, physically as well as spiritually. He puts his hand back on the man, and when the man opens his eyes, the healing is complete. They, Mark uses three phases to explain that, three phrases to explain that. He looked intently, his sight was restored, and he saw everything Clearly, by grace, Jesus gave him his sight. By grace, Jesus gave him back his sight. His eyes, the first thing they saw was Jesus' face. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? He had his full vision back. There was no fog. There was no blurriness. It was crystal clear. He could distinguish details of everything. So he... First thing he sees is the face of Jesus. Fanny Crosby wrote mo a lot of hymns in our, our, our hymnal, wrote a lot of hymns. She was completely blind, I think from birth, if I remember the story right. Um, to God Be the Glory is one of her hymns. Um, but she was interviewed one time before she passed, and she was asked, wouldn't you want your sight back now? Would you like to have your sight, if, if the technology existed, to give you back your eyesight? And she said, No. Because I want the first thing I see to be Jesus' face. I'm like, that's pretty impressive. Well, this man sees Jesus' face. And then he gives him this direct command. Do not go back into the town. Go home. Go straight home. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Go home. Get there. 
And why does he do this? Well, if you haven't learned by now, Jesus' ministry is not meant to be a public display, a, prop, a popularity contest. He's controlling the narrative about him being the Messiah. He's controlling it. He averts the talk of insurrection because the town would want to make him king. And, you know, if he let it go too far, then the Romans would show up and it would be bad for everybody. But most importantly, he doesn't want his the revelation of him being the Messiah to be something someone else decides to reveal. He's in control of it. Now, the man misses the, the pats on the back and the, and the accolades if you, from going in, back into town. He misses all that. He misses all the human praise. But when he goes home, back to his home, and he tells his family and his friends what's happened, guess who receives all the glory? God receives all the glory. God receives all the glory because there's no public spectacle about it at all. By grace, through faith, this man gains his eyesight again. Jesus heals his eyes, and just like he will heal our souls completely. Did you ever get an incomplete grade in school? I never got one, but if you get one, usually the question is, well, what do I need to do to make it complete? The answer is finish the assignments. Pretty simple. Finish the assignments, turn them in. And who knows what grade you'll get, but at least you won't get an incomplete. Well, trust the healer of your soul to complete the assignment. He will complete it in your life. He will complete the work that he's doing in your life specifically. Paul tells us that in the book of Philippians. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Jesus will complete it. There will be nothing lacking when that day comes. Now, do you lack Paul's confidence? Paul had a lot of confidence in that. He states it that way. Do you doubt that Jesus can carry out the healing of your soul, the removal of the spiritual blindness that's on your soul? See, the day of Christ here doesn't speak to just any day. It speaks to the day Jesus returns, when he comes back to take his church home with him, when he comes back to bring heaven, us to heaven. That's the day. That's the day that Paul's speaking of. And the return of Jesus to take his disciples home, do you see that clearly? Or is it a little fuzzy to you? Are you sure about your destination on that day? Like I said, everybody's going to profess that Jesus is Lord, but not everybody's going to get into heaven because they didn't live by faith that he was Lord. What makes you doubt? What makes you doubt your final destination? What makes you doubt that you don't spiritually see your need for a Savior? What's, what's missing from the picture? I'm asking you this morning not to be blind. There's a spiritual healing of our mindset, if you want to say it that way, that God is willing to provide. The Bible tells us this. The Bible tells us that faith in Jesus gives us eternal life. Confessing Jesus as Lord and believing that he was raised from the dead gives us that beautiful spiritual eyesight we need. If you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will see. You will no longer be blind. And these truths give us the confidence we need to face whatever's coming at us, whatever's happened to us. Jesus will complete the good work of salvation in your soul. 
On that day, it'll, it'll be consummated, as they call it. And if your faith is faltering or your faith is non-existent, grace gives you the open door to believe in Jesus for his complete healing of your spiritual blindness. It's available. It's an open door. Jesus used a blind man's healing to demonstrate and teach that point. It was an object lesson for his disciples. But now what about us? Can you see? Can you see the way Jesus is calling us to see? Spiritual blindness is common in this world. We, we believers even have it at times. We believers even live in the fog or blurriness of, to, of the times. But spiritual healing for that blindness comes from one source and one source only, and that's Jesus. If we go running off to something else and try to find the, the, the meaning of life, as we call it sometimes, or our purpose in life, and we look at all the world's ideas about that, we're, we're looking in the wrong places. Spiritual healing for blindness comes from one source, and that's Jesus Christ. And he says simply, repent and believe, for the kingdom of God is at hand, he said. And repent and believe in him and see with new eyes the glories of our God and Father. See the Savior who offers forgiveness, reconciliation, restoration into a right relationship with God. Because that's where it's all got to be. That's where it takes us. Our relationship with God Almighty is what's been damaged. It's what we're blind to at times. But faith believes everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Hopefully you have called on him. If you have not, will you call on him? Let's pray about it. We come to our time of pastoral prayer right now where we just take a moment and pray through these matters that we've heard in the sermon, that we pray through maybe the things that are on our minds. If you want to come to the front and pray up here, make yourself at home, come do that. We'll have some time of silent prayer, and then I'll close us out. Let's pray.